from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. week we take you behind what we teach here at West Side. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Ewerker, and we are here for the very first time at the 815 live at West Side Church. Yeah. All right. And we are here uh, with our pastor, lead pastor, Steve Mickle. Welcome, Steve. Hey, it's good to be here. Steve, are you nervous in front of all these people? It's a little different. It really is. We're usually in a really <laughs> small a box and uh, doing this together, and now there's a few hundred people All by there. ourselves in workout clothes is usually how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now we have to look nice. Yeah. Although i got to say, your shirt is a revelation today. Yeah, more cowbell, uh, wolf More cowbell. It's uh, in honor of my son. I'm in. This is going to be a great podcast. It is. Already. I actually told somebody, I'm more nervous to do a podcast on stage. I'd rather just preach. It's easier, I think, <laughs> than uh, having a conversation, oddly enough. Um, But today we want to take us uh, back about a year. Um, We're looking at some of the most popular messages, the most watched on our website from the last year, and discussing kind of some of the high points of these messages. And so we we looked at the most, the four most watched messages. They were all bows. So then we kept scrolling. (laughs) There it is. Until we got to Steve's and uh, found a couple (laughs) that were very watched. And... Here, and let's so use this podcast they had to, to go, take shots at Steve. They had to go right. down really far to yeah. get one. Yeah, on page seven, right we found one. Uh, no, no, that's not true at all. That's but back awesome. in January, Steve, we were going to do uh, a series, I think, on the life of David. Yeah. And we got to January and uh, talking with the speaking team, Bo and yourself, and, and kind of made a switch at the very last minute. Um, and we shelved that whole series. And we started a new series that you um, created called Walking in the Dark. Tell us why yeah, we, we did that. Uh, I, I came back from our, my, our sabbatical after uh, Chase had died and our son, our oldest son, Chase, um, passed away in 2016. And so we had gone away for about 10 weeks, came back and um, uh, decided when I came back, I just wasn't, you know, there was, just wasn't any breath on that message, on that series in my life. Um, I think with the other team, that team was all ready to go, but... Um, I just I felt strongly that we needed to switch it up. Literally, on a Thursday, the week that week of the of the prior of the weekend that's coming to speak on David, I switched up the series, um, and I thought it was just going to be a one-off. Decided it was going to be a four-part uh, series. Um, yeah, entitled "Walking in the Dark" about my own journey uh, in the darkness after our son died. And for us, um, maybe people don't know this, but we schedule out quite a ways in advance what the series are and what the topic is going to be. So pretty unusual the week of to say, you know what, let's do something completely yeah, different. And, and the team was so supportive of it. Um, it they realized that there, was, that there was breath behind the message that I had prepared that Thursday to speak instead of the life of David. And, of course, we hit Psalms later uh, that year in the summer, um, came back to that, but we really felt like it was, it was the right move. And, the, and, and it's just amazing how, the, how our team responded to that. Yeah. I want to play a clip uh, from the message that we'll talk about today uh, that you gave called Pathway to Hope. It was one of the first ones in this series called Walking in the Dark, talking about uh, what that loss um, of Chase uh, really compares to uh, in your life. So let's take a look at this clip. Everyday loss is like a broken limb. It's things, you know, you lose a job or you, relationships break or something just, you know, your car breaks down. I mean, just, and maybe things just add up and, and it's like a broken limb. And eventually it's going to heal. Eventually you're going to get through it. Eventually it's going to get better. Um, might, there might be some scar tissue. There might be some evidence of it, but it, it's going to get better. 
Whereas they described a death of a loved one, especially a child, as uh, an amputation where um, it doesn't get better and it doesn't grow back and, um, and you're never the same. And that's, um, that's very much what it's been like for us, learning how to walk again without one of our limbs. And uh, one, another author talks about how um, grief is, is um, like trying to catch the sun as it's setting, and it's just, just out of reach. You just can't quite get there, and the only way to get any semblance of light again in your life is to turn around and go back through the darkness and catch the sun on the way up. So in light of that clip, Steve, and having had about 11 months since you preached that, I think you preached it on the, the 8th of January. Yeah. I guess kind of the obvious question to ask uh, is, are you, are you still walking in the dark? What's that experience like for you right now? Yeah, it's, um, yeah in, a, in a sense, I am, Ben. In a sense, it's not as dark, I guess, would be a way to say it. The, the light maybe is starting to emerge. Of course, this is, we're, we're recording this uh, in, you know, the weekend after Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so, and holidays, for those that have lost loved ones, is kind of like a mere reminding you that um, of your loss. Uh, of course, we were reminded every day. You never, we never forget. But, the, but holidays have a sense of kind of bringing it all back up, uh, the, the rawness of it. Um, but I would say the light is beginning to dawn a little bit. We can see beyond now the darkness, whereas before, when, even when I preached this message, I couldn't necessarily see beyond um, the darkness that we were experiencing. With, uh, in light of what you just said, that this isn't something that you get better or that you just get over. It really is something that you learn um, a new way of, of living. How is that leading a church, being a senior pastor, and also walking through the darkest, hardest season of your life? How do you balance having to come, you know, and, and be positive and, and happy? Obviously, we don't want to have these, you know, heavy, <laughs> sad services every time we gather, right? right. How, do you, how do you balance that with your duty as a vision-casting, inspiring preacher that you are, but also a dad who walked through and is walking through grief. Have someone else preach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I, I decided we weren't going to fake it till we made it. We're, we weren't going to put on a face. We weren't going to put on airs. We weren't going to try to, uh, you know, look happy um, while we were sad. Um, we chose to walk fairly openly with the with this with this congregation and as a result of that I actually believe um, not not do I believe it I saw it people um, were more open in their own lives they were more uh, willing to walk into the darkness and be honest about their struggles and their suffering and and not try to put a face on it you know like oh I'm you know how are you doing oh I'm fine I actually I, I try not to ask people you know when you just pass them in the hallway at work how you doing I that's that's an awful time to ask somebody that question because what are they going to say and say, I'm fine. Yeah. And, that's, and so we've created this culture in church especially where we just, you know, I'm fine, I'm good. God is good, right? And so we kind of lean on that stuff when in actuality maybe we're not good. And I think going through it openly with the church helped us be honest about that when we're not good. Um, but also when we are good, let's be honest about that as well. And not, oh, I better not be too happy because there's a lot of sad people in the world. I'm like, if you're happy, be happy. Yeah. I mean, as someone who's been sad, I love hanging out with happy people. I mean, you know, that, that are authentically happy. 
<laughs> I don't like hanging out with people who are, you know, not really happy and you can tell, but they're trying to be happy. I don't know if that makes any sense. But anyway, I, I think it's authenticity is the word that I would say is it, it, it had a balance. If, yeah. there, if there is such a thing as a balance in, the, in, the, in that season of our lives was authenticity. Yeah. So what have you guys seen from the church after walking through this? And certainly it's we're not finished walking through this together. Um, but there's a lot of topics, and I came on staff just a couple months before this message was preached. And uh, I remember just a few of these messages kind of ending with more of a thud than it was like this. And then God is victorious, and we are this. And, and I kind of grew up in that environment, right? And maybe a lot of us did in church where, where that was how you ended church, and that was how you ended the conversation was that God is this. And there were a few messages where it ended, and it was like, Oh, that was super heavy. That was really difficult, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, it was absolutely still the truth. So what has that been like for the church? What have you seen from the yeah, church? I think, as they, I think people want real. Stuff? I think people want real. And it, even to, to your point, I remember that we started services with an up song and ended services with an up song. You guys remember those days yeah. where it was just like everything had to be up because life is hard. And so we don't want church then also, oh, wow, you know, but what I felt, so I was kind of nervous. I was nervous, like, pre- preaching this series, like, oh, my gosh, that people are, like, sad out there, and then they're going to come in here and be sad, too. And, uh, and what we found, though, was quite the opposite. People were greatly encouraged um, when, they, when they connected to my grief and just how we processed it together. There was actually more encouragement mm-hmm. and more hope um, that I, not only can I be real, but that, that um, I'm going to watch and see what God might do. Uh, through someone else's and in someone else's pain. And, um, and that's, I mean, I think that's amazing. It's, it's when, we, when we put God, like God's victory over someone's pain without having experienced the pain, we just kind of like, well, God is good and God's going to do it and all this. Yeah. It's, it falls short, but when you watch someone who's been through it, and they're still getting up every day, and they're still um, looking to God every day, and they're still trying to find hope. Um, it's, I think it's encouraging. And I think people. if there's one thing I've learned through a lot of this is that, you know, we deal with, with death and difficult situations with a lot of people all the time, including ourselves, is that a lot of the stereotypical canned Christian answers just don't really actually work when it comes to times of tragedy. You know, when we lose somebody, it's what we used to like because it's easier for us to kind of put this on somebody else and then walk away, but to say, well, you know, I guess... God was just calling him home at this time. God needed him more than we do. And now uh, going through this and hearing a lot of that, now I just think, man, it's a bunch of garbage. Yeah, it's not totally garbage, Ben. I hear what you're saying because I felt that way when somebody came up to me like the weekend after Chase died and say, but God's good. God's going to use this. I just wanted to punch him in the face. I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I I know. I I was like, no, I didn't. But I was like, I knew knew God's good, and I know God's going to use everything for his purposes. I know that intellectually and theologically, but until you walk the the road of suffering, um, you really don't understand the, the depths of what that actually means. And you can't just put that theologically on somebody and tell them to believe it. They have to walk through it to, to get there themselves. And, and our, my hope is that they'll stay connected long enough with the church and with Jesus and with the word that through their darkness and through their suffering, when their questions aren't being answered, that eventually they'll find that. If we can just keep them connected um, with, in relationship, then, then, we can, then we can get there. But these pat answers... You know, I just, I, I think we have, to, we have to be really careful. Some of the best things that were told to me after Chase died were things like, I am so sorry. And then that was it. There wasn't a f- trying to fix it. There wasn't, it was just, I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. That actually 
meant way more to me and, and communicated way more to me than some of the pat theological answers. Hmm. And with that, I know when I see someone who's going through something and don't know what to say because I don't want to give the pat answer, sometimes I'll just like avoid eye contact and walk <laughs> it away. And I'm a pastor. Like, you know, um, so is that, the, is that the right response? No, oh, said, no, 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 not no. to leave, but to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like, no, don't just leave. Always walk away. away. Yeah. Make eye always. contact. <laughs> you see someone in need, you turn around. Yeah, always walk away. All right, let's close. We're going to pray. No. <laughs> But just to, how to, you know, to stand with someone in whatever they're going through without trying to come up with an answer or something cute to say. Man, we are fix-it people. We really are. We try to fix everything from our cars to people's lives. And I just think we need to, just need to relax a little because God is at work. That's the amazing thing. I, I see it in, in every, in, no matter if, if it's suffering through grief or suffering through addiction or, or bad choices or uh, an awful relationship you feel caught in, there's, a, there's something really powerful when we stand with yeah. um, in, 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 that, in, that, in that difficulty rather than trying to fix it, make it better, put a Band-Aid on it, um, just to be with. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg has a great book, and I couldn't read it, and I'm just starting to read it. Now I've read enough of it to, to recommend it. It's a secular book, but it's her how she processed the death of her husband called Option B. And she talks a lot about this, Evan, where how do you walk with someone uh, through grief, uh, through tragedy, um, still being present but not saying the things you shouldn't say, you know, so it's a, because it's, it's, a, it's a skill that we have to figure out. Um, empathy is not, it doesn't come naturally all the right. time. And what I loved about um, some of how this came out in your messages was that you ended with questions a lot of times instead of just answers. Um, and even in sometimes how we create messages, you know, you start with let's create t- the tension and reveal the tension that people face. And then by the end, let's wrap it up, put a bow on it. Here's the answer. Now go do it. Uh, but with this, uh, a lot of times it was kind of ending more with what if, what if this is true? Um, in fact, I think we have a clip uh, where you talk about some of the wrestling that you went through um, with kind of understanding and coming to grips with who you believe God was, if we can take a look at that. Is God that kind of God that punishes us for things that we do or don't do? And I thought about that, and I was like, maybe, maybe he is. And then the the next thought occurred to me. One, I don't, if that's that's the God that I've been following, then I'm out. I don't, I'm not going to give my life to someone that's vindictive and just, I'm out. But what if God is a God of love? What if this God that you have to choose to believe in or not actually came in the, in the form of human flesh and poured his life out as an offering so that I could have relationship with him? That doesn't sound like a vindictive God, that sounds like a God that I can trust in, that I can put my life in his hands, that I can put the rest of my kids' lives in his hands and, and not be fearful. Hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. To see, really firsthand, see you wrestle, not just come up with the right answer, not just have the right answer, but to wrestle with these things and how you view God, how, and I how still, you can trust him. I'm still wrestling, Evan. 
I mean, it's not, not with my situation as much, though I, I would say I still am wrestling with the death of our oldest, but I, I'm wrestling with life and God in the midst of it. Um, you know, with a 10-year-old that I had just visited a couple weeks ago in the hospital who's been suffering since, almost since she was born with physical illness. And of all the people that I would want and expect even God to heal, um, she hasn't been. And I, I just, and, I, and I look at her and her family who are suffering and struggling. I, I look at the, um, how, does, how does God allow a, a shooter to walk into his house and take life on a Sunday morning in Texas. I mean, you look at these things, right? And, you, and, and, and I think if we're honest, we have questions. Yeah. And I think what, what we do, our culture a disservice is when we, we see all of those things and we come back to what you're saying, Ben, and we try to mm-hmm. put pat answers to those things, you know, and try to, because we, we don't want people to lose their trust in God. But what I've, I've found that is I question some of that stuff and I go to God and I ask him about them. My trust is deepened, mm-hmm. not lessened. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we, we, we don't need to be afraid that God's reputation's at stake because we, we, we go through hardship in this life, that somehow um, that God is not as good as we may have thought he was. Um, but but we, we, we have to be willing to look down that path and ask some hard questions and maybe not have the resolution, the nice, neat, tidy, in a box, this is God and I, I can manage him now because I understand him fully because we can't. Yeah. yeah. We can't. So what do you say to somebody that's really actively going through uh, something like what you're going through right now where there's a lot of ups and downs, there's a lot of looking at God in the scripture and looking at God in your own life and the own results that you've been experiencing recently and there's just, sometimes it just seems like there's such a massive disconnect in even in what you were talking about that this is who God says he is and this is what he's done in the scripture and now um, you know he's he's allowed people to walk into his own house and shoot people up in a church and then this has happened with Chase and what do you tell somebody who's right in the middle of this wrestle is there one thing that you've taken away from that's helped you in your walk uh, don't don't give up on God don't don't just decide don't make a don't make a resolution that God is fill in the blank is evil or God is bad or God isn't for me or God isn't good and don't just don't don't just make those assumptions get to know him yeah um get closer to him not further away from him see that's our tendency is is to back away from something we don't truly and maybe fully understand and I would say lean in I mean like go just go all the way in and and read the word and and listen to the teachings of Jesus and figure it and 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 find out um who is this God because that's for me that's what I did and I and I'll be honest I don't know I still don't understand all about God's sovereignty and why he allows some things and does he cause things and not cause things? Does he allow some things and not allow? I just, that's really big stuff, you know? Um, But what I know is that an evil God doesn't send his son Jesus to die for me. That just does not happen. So that God I want to get to know. Whoever Jesus was representing on this earth, that's the guy I want to know. That's the one that I want to get close to. And so so for me, Jesus was the centerpiece of the rebuilding of my theology and of my, theology is just a big word for the study of God. So it's just, Jesus was the centerpiece for the rebuilding of my understanding of who God is. And that helped me tremendously. So it puts you in this place of being in between and asking a lot of questions questions. And from what I've gathered in my own life, even as we just walked through this and and started asking a lot of the questions is, why aren't I more comfortable in this area? I really want to be extreme, Steve. Like, I really (laughs) want to like... 
just ignore all of the pain and make up excuses and plug my ears and, and say whatever and say, okay, well, God is good or whatever. Or I want to just ditch the whole thing and say, that's it. I'm never coming back. God is not what these people are saying that he is. Why are we so uncomfortable with being in that in-between place and having to ask a lot of the questions? And how can we maybe get more comfortable right there? Because I, I, think, I think we don't like not knowing stuff. I mean, I, I think we, we, I mean, we pride ourselves in being able to find the right answer for every problem that we face. And that tension of not having a full picture, all the answers is really, really uncomfortable. And I think that we live in this, in this life now, in this season of, you know, from the beginning to the end. And when I say end, there is no end. So I believe that we continue to live forever. I believe that, that we are eternal beings at, at the core of who, who God created us to be in his image. And so we live in this little tiny space in that dimension mm-hmm. where, I, where I compare it to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just before the cross and, 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 and the cross. I think we live in that yeah. kind of thing. And Jesus cast a vision for another kind of life that we experience here and there. We experience the life and the hope and the breath and the, and the healing. We experience that here and there, but I, I actually am, and this sounds really fatalistic, this sounds really depressing, even as I'm saying it out loud, but there's this, there's, this life is hard, and Jesus says, in this world you will have what? Church, you have what? Trouble, right? Trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Man, I want to see the overcoming work of Jesus today. Yeah. And I am. Casey read some prayer, rec- some praises even this morning during the service that we're recording this podcast. And they were inc- hugely encouraging to me. Jesus is still winning. Yeah. But there, is, there might be some things that we don't see fully yeah. until that day. Hmm. Um, just beyond this earthly life. And that... That's really discouraging to some people to hear that. For me, it's super encouraging yeah. because that next life represents Jesus Christ face-to-face in the flesh and staying next to him is my son yeah. and Steve Stern and, um, and my grandma and grandpa and the people that have gone before us. There's, there, there, there's something that's waiting for us, yeah. and I want to live this life. Listen, I want to live this life in such a way that as many people as possible come with me hmm. to that place. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I want to... Uh, I want to go to some of these texts that are coming in. Uh, one person said, has your grief blessed you in your relationship with Jesus? Could you be as close as you are now without tragedy? Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm pausing to answer that question because um, um, I think uh, we have to be careful to try to explain uh, grief and loss and give it reason. Um, we just have to be kind of sensitive to the fact that some that there's there's it's hard at first to find reason for grieving. But I would say, with unequivocally, absolutely, my grief has brought me uh, near nearer to the the heart of God, to the person of Jesus, who also suffered, by the way, to God the Father, who also lost a son, by the way. That there's this there's there's something that has drawn me into that. Um, the Bible says that 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 God is near to the brokenhearted, and, and, I, and I've embraced that reality, and I've experienced that, so yeah. And how's it been with your other kids? Um, you have uh, your other boys, and someone asked, what, is, what have you done to help your other kids deal with the death of Chase? How do you father through this? And we've heard a lot about how you've pastored through this, and how you've personally walked through this, but as a father um, to your other three boys, how has, how has that been? 
It's not easy in my family, um, and this is something my counselor, my therapist is helping me with, um, to talk about stuff. You know, it's funny that it's really uh, easier for me to talk in front of a, of a few hundred people about my grief than it is my son's about it. Um, and uh, and so, um, so what we've tried to intentionally do is break through that barrier that exists um, for a lot of different reasons that this podcast is not about, um, why we don't talk, um, and to press, break through that, try to break through that and have deeper conversations with them, help them to have deeper conversations, maybe not just with us, but with other people in their life, uh, youth pastors, counselors, uh, teachers, things like that. And that's... Uh, the, the thing that I would say is just we got to talk about it. In this, next, in this next podcast, in the next service, we're going to talk about emotional health. And the reality is that we are generally, culturally, we are stuffers. We like to kind of, we, we press things. We don't, we don't want to be too open with our emotion. And I'm, I'm fine that if you, I found that if you do that long enough, you don't feel anything, hmm. joy or grief or sadness. And so I'm, we're pressing into and help, trying to help our kids to express their grief uh, openly. Um, in a safe environment. Do you find that you're trying to fit a couple different roles when it comes to that scenario? Because all of you are mourning very much on an equal level when so much of the father-son kind of relationship is, all right, I'm the dad and I will help you fix this or I will help you figure this out <laughs> when you're probably not in a position day in and day out to really feel like you want to do that or maybe even can do yeah, that. Yeah, so, so can a broken person help another broken person? And I find that that's the answer is yes. It looks differently than what I thought it did. Um, is that I'm not I'm not coming as superior or figured it out. I'm coming as a fellow person, human, yeah. to even my children. And by the way, my wife and I have grieved differently, and we've cre we've created space right for each of us to be at different places in this journey. It, it, where I am is not where they are. Where they are is not where I am. And there and and the key is just let's talk about where we are. And wherever you are is where you are. That's good. It, 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 you don't need to be somewhere else. Uh, if you're mad, be mad. Be mad. If you're, if you're happy, be stinking happy. We want you to be. <laughs> yeah. you know? But you don't need to move from mad to happy. That's not the goal. It's not to get you to be happy again. Right. It's, 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 it's to help us process and understand this is real. And our emotions are real, and they're a sign of something deeper uh, going on. And so I think that we've tried to help our kids. Um, and yeah, as a dad, um, I find myself uh, more often than not broken with them um, and trying to walk with them uh, through their own brokenness. Uh, another comment came in and it said, uh, Do you have to have a beard to be on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> And the answer is absolutely. The answer is yes. I almost yes. shaved. I almost shaved yeah. just on Thanksgiving. I was like, I'm well, kind of done with it. Goodness. But my wife said, oh, I like it. I'm like, done. I'm keeping God it. bless that Keep woman. It. Uh, yeah. I, we're going to move on from that. Uh, I don't know. The people on the podcast can't see the video, but the video is from this message in January, last January. My beard was epic. Yeah, it was it, awesome. It was on there. And uh, actually, the same person also said this. Can Steve grow back the January beard? We that like that a, one that better. That was amazing. All right. Uh, there's an honor of my son who had a beard nice like shape. that, but I'm going so to keep it. I'm going to keep it a little trimmed up like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just have a few minutes left. I want to I talk about this, uh, the connection between our hope in Christ, which is future, right? We hope in what Christ is still doing is going to do, and that gives us what we need for the present, which is to trust in Him now. Yeah, 
And I would actually say that that's true as well as my trust in him now gives me hope for the future. So I think they're very much connected. And uh, trusting God, uh, my trust in God, listen, was shaken without a doubt. I had to go back and decide um, just in, in my own relationship with him, could I, tr- could, can I, could I still trust God? And that sounds really like, who do you think you are, Steve? And I had that conversation too. How, you know, I'm such, I'm finite, he's infinite. How can I, you know, but I, I had to go back and ask the questions, can God be trusted? And, um, and work through that again. Is he, is God faithful to yeah. me? Is he good to me? Is he for me, not against me? Is he sovereign? I mean, does he have the whole world and my world in his hands? And the answer, I can came to, and it took wrestling and months, was yes, on all accounts, he can be trusted. Hmm. He can be trusted because he is faithful. He is consistent. He is good to me. Even though I may not understand everything, he's good to me. He's good to my family. He's good to this church. He's good uh, to the yeah. people that, that uh, as, as we lean into that, and he's, and he's sovereign. Listen, he's got this world in, he's, nothing's surprising him. I don't understand why he allows certain things to happen. Without a doubt, I still like, what the heck? But I'd rather follow God, a God who has this whole world in his hands and who's for me, and I know he's for me because he sent his son to die for me, than a God who is vindictive and mean and judgmental, and that's not the God I discovered Hmm. through my own journey uh, through the darkness. Someone once said that we're not supposed to become homesteaders in the valley of the shadow of death, but that we are walking through it. in just a few seconds, what, what are those things that have made this walk bearable to walk through and not camp out? Psalm 23, hmm. though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't fear any evil for why? Because I am with you. Huh. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, that, it's not a, a, a lonely path. It feels lonely sometimes, I'll admit. Um, but I take a step back, and every time a wave of grief came crashing over us, and still, do, and still does occasionally, Jesus is in it. Yeah. And I, and that's all I know. I mean, at the end of the day, I can tell you for certain that my grief was real, and my Jesus was. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Well, I want to thank you, Steve, just for uh, being so candid through this whole process. And I know um, even some of these other comments that are coming in, just so appreciative, thankful for a real church and a real pastor that gives us permission to be real. It's good. Uh, continuing prayer for the Mickle family. Just this, uh, as we've seen you not try to, you know, just put a mask on and say, yeah, everything's great. Um, that really has, I think, opened up um, the ability for the rest of us to be real as well. So such a good conversation. Um, we're going to continue with three more different conversations. So if you do want to hang out and listen to the rest of the services, we're going to be doing different topics. But uh, you can get this podcast, Behind the Message, wherever you get your podcasts, and also listen online at BehindTheMessage.org. Thank you so much for joining us. 815. You've been great. All right. yeah. Yeah.